You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we start our new series on race, truth, and reconciliation. This message is very prevalent and important concerning the conditions of today's society. When we come to understand God and His Word, we see He is clear on how to handle the issue. Let's get started. Good morning, TWC family and friends. It is a joy to welcome you on this beautiful Sunday morning. As we go to the Word of God this morning, I want to ask you to open your Bibles, open your TWC app if you haven't already, and I want you to meet me in the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles, beginning at chapter 15 and verse number 3. 2 Chronicles 15 and verse number 3, and then we're going to drop down to verse number 5 and 6. The Word of the Lord in 2 Chronicles 15, beginning at verse 3, says this, For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without the law. Drop down to verse five and it goes on and reads, and in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all of the inhabitants of the land. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city for God troubled them with every adversity. We are starting a new teaching series this morning entitled Race, Truth, and Reconciliation. And what I want to do in this series is I really want to invite you to join me over the next several weeks in a necessary but difficult conversation about race. Now, the title of this new series is very intentional, Race, Truth, and Reconciliation. The title is intentional because we have to talk about race. One of the biggest reasons why racism hasn't gotten any better in America is because we haven't really talked about it. For over 400 years, we simply swept this issue under the rug of our country. And there needs to be a national conversation in our country about race, very similarly to the conversations that have taken place in other countries like South Africa and Rwanda and even Canada. Truthfully, those countries are much further down the road on this issue of race and real healing has begun simply because they've been willing to talk about it. We need this conversation, family, but the church has to lead it. But in order for us to have these conversations in a way that reflects biblical integrity and authenticity, it means that we're going to have to confront some uncomfortable truths. And that is the only way that real, deep, and meaningful reconciliation can happen. Now, this conversation is so important that here at the Worship Center, in addition to this new Sunday morning teaching series, we are doing two additional things. The first thing is that we have created small group discussion material for this new series. We're launching today our fall semester of small groups, and I hope and pray that all of you would decide to not just attend a small group, 
but actually to host a small group around this same topic with your coworkers and neighbors and others. Many of you have been asked by some of the companies that you worked for, or maybe some of your other friends or even acquaintances, you've been approached by them about this issue of race. Many of you have been approached and asked by company and by your company and other leaders about what can be done. Well, one of the first things that you can do is host a small group around this subject. Every week, what I'm going to send out to all of our small group leaders are recap videos that really kind of give you the big idea of each week. But then I'm also writing specific um, discussion questions based on the message, the teaching message from each week that are really designed to just help you have healthy, robust, but authentic conversation on this issue. Family, the only way that we're going to begin to tackle this is we have to talk about it. So I pray that if you haven't already signed up to lead a small group, that you would consider doing so because this topic is that important. And many of you already know that. But the second thing that we're doing is soon we're going to be launching the Center for Race, Truth and Reconciliation. Now, in addition to us talking about this subject, there are some additional things that have to happen if we're going to move forward the right way on the issue of race. There has to be awareness. And, you know, one of the things that I believe that God has been doing throughout the unfortunate killings of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and so many others is I believe that God has been bringing national awareness, global awareness even, to this issue. Many people have finally been awakened to realize that we are not nearly as far down the road on this issue of race as we thought we were. And so there's this national awakening. Many people are finally aware that racism is real and injustice has been taking place for a long time and is still taking place today. But after awareness, there has to be education. And then after education, people and organizations can make informed decisions and take decisive actions to help dismantle the system of racism. But often what people want to do is after they become aware, they want to jump right to action without having the education. And when people jump to action without having the education and the understanding, the actions won't be substantive. They won't be transformative. At best, they'll be a shot in the dark. And so the Center for Race, Truth and Reconciliation is being designed to walk people through an interactive and in-depth two-day workshop that will help them fully understand the history, the vast impact and systemic nature of this issue of race so that people and companies and organizations can make informed decisions to help dismantle racism in our country. You know, I have been contacted by a number of people all over the world, particularly when, when a number of things have happened on this issue of race throughout this year, and they've asked me, what should we do or what should I say? There have been a number of pastors that want to address this issue, and they've just said, honestly, I don't even know where to begin. And so we created this center, or we're finishing creating this center for race, truth, and reconciliation to really be an answer and provide all of the resources to help people understand this issue and to move forward the right way. Now, let's get to the text. Because when you consider the passage of scripture that we read a moment ago in Second Chronicles chapter 15, it's easy to see 
that this text is describing the situation that we find ourselves in today. This text is an adequate depiction of today. It's not safe to travel about. We as inhabitants of this country find ourselves in great turmoil. And even when the text says that one nation was being crushed by another nation, what it simply means is that that country was deeply divided, that the people were at odds with each other. This adequately describes what's happening right now in our country. You know, we are actually in the middle of multiple simultaneous pandemics. COVID-19 has created a medical pandemic for sure. But our country's refusal to confront the issues of race and racism has also created a cultural pandemic. And in the midst of all of this, it's obvious that we are also going through a spiritual pandemic. Second Chronicles 15 and verse 3 says that the reason that all of this happened was because the nation of Israel was without the true God. They had abandoned God. They had drifted so far from God. And everything that was happening was a result of that. Well, once again, this adequately describes where we are as a country and a community. We have wandered so far from the value system that was established by God for how we are supposed to live and act and even treat other people. And instead of following God's mandate, we've come up with our own standards. And it is those messed up, flawed human standards that have landed us exactly where we are. This is why verse 6 of 2 Chronicles 15 screams for our attention. Verse 6 says, all of this happened because one translation says that God troubled them with every adversity. Another translation says it this way, God troubled them with every kind of distress. This is a defining moment for us as citizens of this country and as believers, because we have to decide if we are really going to be one nation under God or a divided nation apart from God. And if we don't answer that question the right way, and if we don't answer that question quickly, I promise you, we won't be much of a nation at all. Now, there's so much that we are going to get into in this teaching series over the course of the next several weeks. And I hope that you don't miss any of it. I hope that you take to social media, post, repost, let everybody know that we're having this conversation. Invite them to join us on Sundays. I hope that all of you will host a small group uh, in your cities, in your, in, uh, over social media, over Zoom, or uh, however you want to do it in a socially distant and safe way. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you the introduction, kind of like a good book that you are ready to get into. And before you can get into the meat of the book of the story, you first have got to read the introduction. Well, that's what I'm going to do today on purpose. I'm going to introduce this series as we examine this passage in 2 Chronicles 15, because the text not only describes where we are, it gives us the reasons we are where we find ourselves and the solutions that we need to take if we are going to turn this thing around. The first thing that Second Chronicles 15 points out is that there was no 
true God. In verse three, it says, it says that the number one problem, number one, is that there was no true God. Now, this doesn't mean that they didn't go to church or that they didn't worship. It doesn't mean that they didn't do religious activities when it says that there was no true God. When it says that, it means that they had gods, little g gods, but the issue was that the gods that they had were not real. Now, what this statement means is that the true God, our heavenly father, had been replaced with false definitions of God. In the Bible, a false definition of God is called an idol. Now, many times when we hear about something called an idol or that term, we think Raiders of the Lost Ark or we think some kind of carved image. But an idol, truthfully, is any person, place, thing, or even a thought that you look to as your source instead of God. Whatever it is that you look to as your source instead of God has become an idol for you. So an example is this. Your job can be an idol. Your position can be an idol. Money can be an idol. What you want people to think about you can be an idol. One of the biggest reasons why race, and in particular, racism and racial injustice exist in our country is because for many people, their race is their idol. For over 400 years, there have been things that have been intentionally done to marginalize and oppress people of color because this idea of whiteness this idea that, that that race is superior to every other race is their idol. And whenever your life is based on an idol, whenever you look to those things as your source instead of God, you cause the true God to not be seen. This is what God is talking about in Ezekiel 43 in verse eight, when he says, when they place their threshold next to my threshold and their doorpost beside my doorpost with only a wall between me and them, they defiled my holy name by their detestable practices. And he goes on and says in verse nine, now let them put away from me their prostitution and their funeral offerings for their kings and I will live among them forever. God in essence says, I have a problem with the people because they set up their idols next to me. And God says, I won't come and dwell in, in their midst until they demolish that. Nothing should be on an equal plane with God. And he's saying that when you set up idols, whatever your idol is, when you set it up so that it is equal or more important than the true God, we have a problem. Until we decide to acknowledge the true God, we will not see God bring change in our country and in our communities like we desperately need. God is the true God, not race. Not one race being superior to the other. God is the true God. The second thing that 2 Chronicles 15 says is that there were no teaching priests. Verse three goes on and says that there were no teaching priests. Now, let me unpack this. There were plenty of priests during that time. But when the text says there were no teaching priests, what it means is that the priests were not teaching the truth of God's word. 
They were teaching a version of the Word of God that was comfortable for them. They, they were teaching the kind of stuff, in other words, that they liked. They were teaching the parts of the scriptures that were popular with the audiences that they were catering to, but they were not teaching the parts of the Word of God that held them accountable. They were not teaching the parts of the, of the Word of God that, that held them accountable to repent and being honest before God. They were not teaching the parts of the Word of God that called for them to, to lead people, even in areas that maybe confronted things or maybe made them a little bit uncomfortable. They were not teaching any of that. They were simply teaching the stuff that they liked and they ignored the rest of the word of God. When you study church history, as a matter of fact, you learn about a guy named Marcion. Marcion was considered a, a heretic and the church ultimately had to publicly denounce his teachings because one of the things that Marcion did was he went through the Bible and he removed um, all of the passages that he did like. He just simply went through the Bible and when there was a passage that, that he didn't agree with or a passage that maybe um, called for him to repent or uh, to maybe change some things about his nature, he just ripped it out. When Marcion got finished, instead of having 66 books in the Bible, he had a pamphlet. Because what he did is he just ripped out all of the passages in the Bible that he didn't like and he ignored those, didn't touch those, didn't teach those. He only focused on the stuff that he liked, the stuff that was comfortable for him. That's what the priests were doing then. That's what the church is doing now. See, race and racism is a problem in our culture today because of the failure of the church. We would not have a racial crisis in America if the church had not consistently failed to deal with racism as the severe sin that it is. But because the church has historically ignored it, because there have been no teaching priests, the issue still exists and it is plaguing our country. Listen to me. The integrity of the church is at stake because no matter how you feel, I know that there are probably some of you watching me that, that don't like what I'm saying or maybe disagree with me, but regardless of how you feel about this subject of race, listen, at the end of the day, it is a gospel issue. If the gospel of Jesus Christ is not for all people, then it's for no one. As a matter of fact, I'm standing in front of this enormous cross in the lobby of our Derby campus sharing this word with you this Sunday morning on purpose. Because if this cross and what Jesus did on it 2,000 plus years ago, if it either applies to everybody, then we're good. But if it doesn't apply to everybody, then the truth is it applies to no one. Either Jesus went to this cross and gave his life for the sins of the world, either it applies to everybody or it applies to no one. Either John 3.16 is right and it's for everyone or it's for no one. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, not for God so loved black people, not for God so loved white people, not for, for, for God so loved the wealthy or for God so loved the poor. It says, for God so loved the world. Now, either... That is right and applies to everybody or it applies to no one. Either Romans 3 and 23 is right 
and applies to everyone or it applies to no one. Romans 3 and 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Translation, no race is better than another race. No person is better than any other person. Either that applies to everyone or it applies to no one. There is already a mass exodus of young people leaving the church. Family, if we don't get this right, and if we don't teach the truth of God's word, we are going to get down the road and realize that we lost an entire generation because of our hypocrisy, because there were no teaching priests. Now, one of the reasons why even today we are still dealing with this issue, one of the reasons why there are no teaching priests today is because too many pastors are afraid to say something. But what they must understand is to say nothing, to pray nothing, and to do nothing violates scripture and dishonors the example of Jesus Christ. Even in Proverbs 31 and in verse 8, the Bible instructs us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, to ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. The Bible tells us to speak up, not just when it's popular, not just when everybody's patting you on the back, but to speak up even in the midst of adversity, even if you've got to be a voice crying out in the wilderness. The Bible instructs us to do that. That's the example of Christ. This is why the church must address racial, economic, healthcare and opportunity and equity as well as address the systems that work against the fair treatment of people. The church and real teaching priest must be the true voice of God for all people. And we cannot diminish the truth of the word of God for political gain. Well, since I'm here, let's just go ahead and go to the deep end of the pool. Yes, I did say that. We cannot diminish the truth of the word of God for political gain. Why? Because the truth is this, family. God doesn't ride the back of donkeys or elephants. Now, let me just let that sink in. Maybe I need to say it again. God does not ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. The kingdom of God is not Republican or Democrat. The kingdom of God transcends all of that. It's bigger than all of that. As a matter of fact, when Jesus stands before Pilate and Pilate is trying to understand why his own people want him to be killed. And he says, well, wait a minute. They say that you're the king of the Jews. Is that true? Jesus responds to Pilate and he says in John 18 and verse 36, he says, listen, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. He says, but my kingdom is not of this world. So there are many people who, who feel so rooted that, that as a Christian, you have to vote a certain way because that's, the, that's God's mandate. That's not God's mandate. God is not Republican or Democrat. The kingdom of God is not Republican or Democrat. The kingdom of God is bigger than all of that. 
As a matter of fact, in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13, Joshua is leading the children of Israel into the promised land and he's getting ready to, to, to take their first battle to Jericho. And Jericho is a fortified city with strong walls and Joshua is trying to figure out how in the world are they going to, to do this thing. And it says that Joshua then is encountered by an angel of the Lord's army. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked him, listen to this, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I need you to get that. Joshua was asking the question that many people are asking uh, in many of the conversations. Who are you for? Are, are you Republican or are you Democrat? He's talking to, to an angel of the Lord's army and the man responds and says, neither. He says, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come and look at what Joshua does. It says, then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Family, that is the only way that we are going to demolish the strongholds of racism. That's the only way that this sickness, that this sin is going to be broken in our country. Teaching priests have got to stop trying to take sides Teaching priests have got to teach the truth of God's word. They've got to take off the sandals of their ego. They've got to take off the sandals of who they know and who knows them. They've got to take off the sandals of how popular they are. And they have got to get on the ground and recognize that the ground that they stand on is holy ground because God has an agenda that is bigger than the Republicans or the Democrats. Second Chronicles 15 says that there was no true God. Number two, it says that there were no teaching priests. But then thirdly and finally, it says that there was no law. The last thing verse three says is that they were without the law. Now, let me explain this distinction because it's easy to assume, well, since the, the priests were not teaching, of course there was no law. But that's not what this means. When the text says that there were no teaching priests, as I just mentioned, it means that the priests were not teaching the people the full word of God. But then when it says there, that there was no law, what this means is that there were some truths of the faith. There were some things about the word of God that the people knew, regardless of whether or not the teaching priests were teaching, but they just didn't follow it. M meaning that there were some things that they knew better, but they were not doing. And that's what God is saying today. The church knows better. This Bible that our faith has been built upon for centuries is clear that there are two realities of our faith. There is the vertical and then there is the horizontal. This is why the cross is the most important symbol of our faith because the cross has those two beams. It has a vertical beam and it has a horizontal beam. The vertical beam, listen to me family, is about our relationship with God. The horizontal beam is about our relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters. So Jesus, they hung him high and they stretched him wide. 
Because when he hung there on the cross, he was fixing both realities. He went to the cross so that we could be in right standing in our relationship with God, but he also went to the cross and was crucified between two thieves because he gave his life us to get our horizontal relationships with our fellow brothers and sisters right as well. I don't know if some of you are with me, so let me see if I can explain it another way. All through scripture, the Bible is clear that our God is a God of two realities, righteousness and justice. As a matter of fact, Psalm 89 and verse 14 says it this way, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. The foundation of God's throne, listen to this, is righteousness and justice. Righteousness is the vertical beam of the cross, right? We are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because Jesus um, was the bridge. Jesus was our atoning sacrifice and made us right with God. Righteousness literally means to be in right standing with God, right? That's that vertical beam. But justice is also the horizontal beam. It's that horizontal beam of the cross. You cannot adequately relate to your fellow brothers and sisters if there is no justice. This is why we're going to get into this later in this teaching series. If you really want to understand the heart of God, all through scripture, there are five categories of people that the Bible is very clear that God really cares about. Like if you really want to upset God, mess with these five people, the widow, the orphan, the poor, the needy, and the oppressed. Because our God is not just a God of righteousness, he's also a God of justice. Now, here's how we have been living like there is no law. We have separated righteousness from justice. We, we in many ways, have suggested to people that the only thing that they really need to be focused on is righteousness. As long as you're right with God, as long as you're saved, we don't have to dabble with these justice issues. There have even been um, pastors and preachers that have tried to even suggest that, that issues of justice are not in the Bible. And that's a blatant lie. They have literally tried to steer people to one side, to righteousness, and suggested that we don't have to address these issues of justice. And here's what happens when you do that. Whenever you focus on only one beam of the cross, the cross becomes a stick that you beat people with. And that's what's been happening because we've been talking about righteousness and righteousness and righteousness, but we've been ignoring all of these issues of justice and that's not God. Righteousness and justice have to be balanced side by side. This is why 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20 says it, says it this way. 1 John 4 and 20 says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or his sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Notice the balance. Anyone who loves God, righteousness, must also, it is non-negotiable, must also love their brother and their sister, justice. Our faith operates on both planes, the vertical and the horizontal. Our faith deals with both heaven 
and earth, both time and eternity. And we cannot profess to be concerned about the souls of men and then not be concerned about the systems that marginalize them, the economic conditions that cripple them and the racial conditions that kill them. The law of God cares about righteousness and justice. And any deviation from that, it's not real Christianity. It's a cheap imitation. But here's the hope. In 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 4, it says, even though there was no true God, even though there were no teaching priests, even though they were without the law and God troubled them, it says this, it says, but when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him. He was found by them. Listen, if God is your problem, then only God can be your solution. Second Chronicles said God troubled them all. If God is the issue, then only God can be the resolution. And so family, over the next several weeks, as we walk through this needed and necessary teaching series, Race, Truth, and Reconciliation. What I'm going to do through the word of God is I am going to walk you through the truths of what the word of God says on these issues so that we can turn to the Lord and be found by him. So that hopefully you and I can truthfully represent God's heart on this issue so that when we turn to him and look to him, we can find him. And not only can we find him, but he will heal our land. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.